Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 140. It's time, once again, to dive into our virtual bag of emails and answer your questions, comments, and thoughts on this week's episode. We'll touch on a number of aspects of taking a Royal Caribbean cruise, and it's my hope that this episode will help everyone have a better Royal Caribbean cruise experience. Here we go. You know, there are two things I absolutely love doing. Talking about taking Royal Caribbean cruises and helping others have a better Royal Caribbean cruise experience. And with these listener question episodes, hey, we get to do both of them. That's right. We get to answer your listener emails. And it can be about anything. It can be a question. It can be a comment about maybe something I've said on the podcast. Perhaps a observation from one of the news posts over at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Whatever is on your mind about Royal Caribbean, we're here to help and read and share. That's what the point of the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast is, to help everybody have a better Royal Caribbean cruise. And and I'm hoping that's been the case now for the two-plus years this podcast has been going on. And if you want to submit your email, if you've got a question, a comment, a thought, absolutely, please do so. Send me an email to matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com, matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Don't forget to put your name and where you're from, so that way I can give you credit for your email. And we're going to start off today's emails with an email from Rich from New York. All right, hi, Matt. New to the podcast, but I find them interesting and very informative. Sailing on Brilliance of the Sea is coming up, and it'll be our third sailing with Royal Caribbean. I wanted to know if Royal had made any improvements to communications on ship. Will we be able to text other guests? Is Royal IQ up and running on Radiance class yet? Also, we have family joining us, but in different staterooms, and one of them is on the waiting list for My Time Dining. Will there be any way to link them to our My Time Dining reservations once we board the ship? Thanks for the info, and safe cruising. Rich, great email, great email and great questions all around. Let's start off with your uh, initial question about communication. No, the Royal IQ has not been rolled out to any ships in Royal Caribbean's fleet other than the Quantum-class ships and soon-to-be Harmony of the Seas. The Royal Caribbean has been targeting, from what I understand, adding Royal IQ to new ships. So that's essentially Harmony of the Seas and new ships are coming out there. But Royal IQ, which is Royal Caribbean's smartphone application that allows on certain ships to do things like share the cruise compass, book entertainment, book shore excursions, book dining. It's a really cool app, but it's only available on certain ships. And as I mentioned, that's essentially the Quantum class ships and soon to be Harmony of the Seas. So to answer your question, it is not on the Radiance class ships. You're going to Brilliance of the Sea, so you won't be able to benefit from that. And as to when it's going to go more fleet wide, you know, Royal Caribbean's been pretty mum on that topic. It doesn't seem like it's going to happen certainly anytime very soon. I hope that it gets rolled out sooner than later because, quite honestly, it's it's a great app because I love the convenience of being able to use it. One of the features that Rich is alluding to is it does allow you to text other users in there. You can actually make phone calls. It's all through uh, uh, VoIP, something called uh, Voice over IP, which allows you to send text messages, make phone calls through the app, and that way you're not using any, obviously, any cell phone minutes or roaming or any of that other stuff. So... To answer your question, Rich, has Royal Caribbean made any improvements in communications on a ship like Burlington to the Seas? No. Your best bet, and this this is a common question, I guess, how do I stay in contact with friends, family that are on board my ship? What's the best way if we don't have, say, Voom on your ship? Because if you have Voom, which is Royal Caribbean, super fast internet, it's pretty simple. Buy the Voom package, use your favorite messaging app of choice, and you know you go from there. My suggestion, quite honestly, the easiest and simplest and most convenient way is actually text messaging. I know, you just say, Matt, isn't that crazy? Or am I, I going to rack up crazy bills and, and put my foreclose my house and <laughs> be one of those people on the news? No, not necessarily. Text messaging, unlike phone calls and data, can be actually fairly economic, even with when you're roaming. Now, most plans, you got to check with your carrier. 
But in most plans, most cell phone plans I've seen here in the United States, at least, the cell phone coverages allow for free incoming messages no matter what. And to send a message, it can be as cheap as maybe a couple of cents. As much, The most I've ever seen is 50 cents to send a message. But for basic messaging like, hey, where are you? Oh, I'm in the solarium. Okay. You know, it's... You're, you're not going to rack up that much charges on text messaging over the course of your cruise because you're not going to be constantly texting all the time. This is mostly a, hey, where are you kind of scenario, right? And and for that kind of thing, I think this is the easiest and most convenient thing to do. All you have to do is on your phone, make sure you disable cellular roaming, especially data roaming. You don't want to make sure you want to turn that off. But use send messages through SMS, which is the, uh, which is the protocol that allows messaging to be sent, not through data, but over the cellular signal. And again, in many cases, this is a very economic option. It's certainly the most convenient because walkie-talkies don't work very well. And quite frankly, they're annoying to a lot of other guests that are out there. And obviously, any other app that's out there requires data. So that's not really going to help you. I mean, you can use those apps, but I don't think it's nearly as convenient as having your phone with you and going about it that way. So that might be the best thing to do if I were you, Rich, is if you want to be able to an easy, convenient way to communicate on board the ship, use text messaging. Just make sure, again, you turn off your cellular roaming, especially for data. That's that's the real key right there, and don't make any phone calls. The other question was about wait list for my time dining. So with my when you're on a wait list, this is how it works, and if you're not familiar with this, let me explain. Royal Caribbean allows for guests to enter into wait lists, and of course, as you know, there are many different means of going to dinner on a Royal Caribbean ship. You've got traditional dining, you've got my time dining, and on Quantum Quest ships, you've got dynamic dining. And if the option you're looking for is not available... Royal Caribbean can, if you ask, put you on a waiting list, and if enough people get off, you know, cancel or change their minds, and the spot opens up, they'll allow you to get in it. In my experience, the wait lists usually come through. I think there's been one time that I can think of where a wait list did not come through, and in which case, the the what you do in that scenario, and I did this and to prove it, is on day one, embarkation day, go to the main dining room, go speak to the head waiter. They can almost they've always squeezed me in, and that was the case when that happened to me as well. So I guess the best thing to do is not worry about it too much. You know, it's interesting as you say wait list for my time and linking the reservations because with my time, you essentially just show up. But of course, I think what you're trying to say is like, let's say you're in a, your stateroom, you've got four people in, and the person that you want to have dinner with is in another stateroom and there's two people. So you want to have a table for six. I, I mean, I, I'll be honest. I don't have a good solid solution for you. What I would do is just show up with the other two people or whoever and say, oh yeah, no, four, oh no, it's really going to be six tonight. They're usually pretty accommodating with that. But again, I think that wait list is probably going to come through, Rich, so I wouldn't worry too much about it, but I think either of those scenarios should probably work for you. Thanks for the email. Good questions all around. Love it. The next email is from Mark Worth of Shelton, Connecticut. 20 years ago, my wife and I sailed on Majesty of the Seas for our honeymoon, followed by a few nights at the Chica Lodge in the Florida Keys. Unfortunately, the weather gods didn't cooperate, and we were chased around the Caribbean by Hurricane Lily. This caused us to miss a couple of ports and experience rough seas during our sailing. Our stays in the Keys afterwards was great, though, and helped salvage the trip. This October, I'm trying to plan a surprise 20th anniversary vacation that resembles our honeymoon, minus the hurricane, hopefully. It doesn't appear that Majesty sails out of Miami in October, but the enchantment of the seas does. My thought is to do a three-night cruise starting... Uh, October 14th, and then spend two nights at the Chico Lodge. I'm not too familiar with the ship. I was wondering if you've sailed on either or both of these ships and are able to compare them in any way. Any information, comparison, or suggestions you might have would be greatly appreciated. Keep up the great work with this podcast, although I do miss you and the old crew on WW Today. I hope you guys will reunite on the podcast from time to time. 
Mark, great email and great question. And I love the idea, by the way, of trying to bring back that that wedding honeymoon magic from 20 years ago. Great idea. So, is your you are correct. Majesty will not be sailing out of Miami in October. She's actually moving up to Port Canaveral. You missed her by a couple months. And Enchantment's coming down to Miami to do those cruises out of there. Enchantment's a wonderful ship. They, they, you know, they're similar and they're not similar ships. And that, and what I mean by that is, Enchant, they're both small ships. They both offer three and four night short sailings to the Caribbean and Bahamas, right? So that's pretty straightforward. But the comparisons kind of end at that point, at least today in here in what is this April 2016 because Enchantment of the Seas has had a number of refurbishments whereas Majesty is about to get one of course her the scope of her refurbishments have been scaled back a little bit but she hasn't been refurbished in, in nearly a little bit now of course Majesty is a sovereign class ship Enchantment is a vision class ship I mean the differences are kind of they're mixed basically a vision class ship is is larger than a sovereign class ship sovereign is among the oldest classes of Royal Caribbean ships in the fleet that's left. In fact, Majesty is the last Sovereign class ship left in the fleet. Her sisters Sovereign of the Seas and Monarch of the Seas have both left the fleet in the last couple of years. So, Majesty is the last one left. You know, it, it's kind of a very different experience, and certainly where you sail out of also adds a different vibe to it, I believe. Sailing out of Port Canaveral versus sailing out of Miami on these short cruises, you're going to get a different crowd. And depending on when you go, you're going October 14th, so it's not spring break by any means. And you know, uh, the shorter the cruise, the more of a party atmosphere it is in general. Uh, I mean, everything changes based on sailing, right? I mean, there's no stead- there's no steadfast rules with any of this stuff. But uh, in terms of the amenities, Enchantment offers quite a bit. And, Mark, I will try to add in the show notes some links to some uh, great content we've done. We've done podcast episodes about Enchantment of the Seas. We've done blog posts about Enchantment of the Seas. I think you're going to find some really good information about it. I, I think what I'm trying to say is you're really going to enjoy Enchantment. She's a wonderful ship. I know it's not the same as Majesty, although you can't go on Majesty out of Port Canaveral. I mean, it's not quite Miami. I understand that's not – I don't know how close you need to have your original itinerary, but – if you need to go out of Miami, Enchantment's a great option. And if you'd rather just go back on Majesty, well, you're going to have a fairly newly refurbished ship because Majesty's getting her refurbishment here in the spring. So you got some good choices ahead of you. And, you know, if I were to pick, if you were to say, Matt, pick one for me. I, forget forget my crazy 20th anniversary vacation plans. What would you pick? I would probably pick Enchantment just because she offers a little bit more. But, of course, I'm also looking at it perhaps with the eyes of a father and what my kids would do. And I think if you're just okay with going on a cruise that brings you different places and your day is mostly comprised of going up to the pool deck, having some drinks by the pool, and enjoying the sun, there's absolutely nothing wrong with Majesty of the Seas in that regard. So it's a, it's a, <laughs> it's a, it's a good choice to have, Mark. So I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to uh, – what you end up picking. And, Mark, I'd love to hear how your surprise 20th anniversary plans work out. Next up, we have an email from Murph. It says, I thought of a question that you might be able to help me with. My brother and sister-in-law want to have nothing to do with cruising. I would love to get them to join me. Any suggestions that I can tell them that may swing them over to cruising? My brother is a wine collector, so I thought uh, I would bring him a copy of the Vintages menu. That hasn't worked yet. <laughs> well, you know what, Murph? You're on the right track, which is you know, if you want someone to come with you on a cruise and they're not of – they don't think they're the cruising type. And usually – People that don't think they're the cruising type are the people who have never actually taken a cruise. It's one thing if you've been on a cruise and you say, I didn't like it. It's quite another when you just make you know uh, assumptions about the cruise without actually having taken one. But I think you're on the right path with trying to appeal to some of their uh, likes and, and eccentricities and, and so forth. So 
you know, they like their wine collector certainly being able to. There's a number of wine options on board. I would, you know, I, I don't know if you would, anyone would book a cruise purely based on. I was going to suggest, you know, vintages and some of the great options that are on some of the newer classes of ships in terms of wine. But it certainly helps if you're going about it that way. I think when you're trying to convince someone to go on a cruise with you, and there is no silver bullet answer, Murph. Other than, actually, you know what I thought of? Um, if you want to get someone to go on a cruise with you, pay for them. <laughs> it is amazing how people change their opinions when it's free. Uh, I don't know if that's really on the cards for you in terms of being financially viable or you actually do want to pay for them even if it was financially viable for you. But certainly, greasing the wheels of progress with money has been known to help quite a number of people over the years. And hey, if you're really that, you know, if you really want to have them join you for it, that might be the best way to do it. <laughs> but along those lines, finding a really good deal isn't a bad idea as well. I mean, really, what it is is you have to kind of appeal, I think, in many cases, to their sense of, you know, it's not about the cruise. You're not going on the cruise. This isn't a vacation on a boat. That's not what they should be thinking about. They should be looking at, we're going to have a family vacation. It happens to be on a cruise ship. But that's really not important. It'd be no different than saying, hey, let's go to Las Vegas or let's go to, you know, a, a beach on the Baltimore shore or, you know, anywhere, Panama City, Florida. It, that's it's just the it's a detail, but it's really about having a family vacation together. And it would be a lot of fun. And then, of course, you bring up the things that we can do on board. You bring up the value that a cruise offers. And, of course, the ports of calls you'll be visiting is usually a pretty big plus as well. And, and I think you look at it that way. Don't try to sell them on a cruise. Sell them on a family vacation that you're experiencing together. And hopefully that will be the compelling reason. Certainly, I think you're on the right track with, again, with, hey, look, what they've got this vintages over here where they have an amazing selection of wine that you can choose from. And, you know, maybe the islands you're visiting have good vineyards. I have no idea. You'd have to look at the itinerary you're, you're considering. But there's lots of different ways you can play that angle up. But I think for people who have not never taken a cruise before, the... I would not go about it trying to sell them on the cruise necessarily. I would sell them on the experience. On, hey, we're going to be traveling together. We'll have dinner together. We'll try out all these different activities. Let's go, well, you know, let's go jet skiing together. Let's go zip lining. You know, the cruise is just the background. And maybe that's the way you get around it, especially for people who have this kind of preconceived notions about cruising. That might be the best way to go. I'm not a psychologist in this regard, but that's my best idea for you right now, Murphy. I hope it works out for you, and I'd love to hear if you're able to sway them to join you. Next, we have an email from Jay who writes, Matt, my wife and I are new to cruising, having completely only gone on one four-night cruise on Enchantment of the Seas last year. We booked uh, another cruise for May to June on Freedom of the Seas, and I'm trying to see what's after that. Many times, it's difficult for me to wrap my brain around something. In this case, it's the right way to take advantage of the onboard booking credit and use a travel agent. I've heard both spoken of in glowing terms on the podcast. Does one wait for the next cruise book on board taking advantage of the OBC and then contact the travel agent to take over the booking afterwards? Wouldn't the deposit be lost, or does one do it in reverse? Bottom line... How does one take advantage of both? I'm hooked on your podcast and may need a 12-step program for it. Jay, thank you for the email. I am so glad to hear you're enjoying the podcast because I love doing this. And you know what? we got to do more of these listener questions just dedicated to this because this is great. I love getting a chance to have you guys on here virtually to talk Royal Caribbean. So you're absolutely right. Booking on board and using a travel agent are two really good strategies for having a great deal on your upcoming Royal Caribbean cruise. Here's how you do it. I'm going to give you one of two scenarios, Jay, and you're going to fit in one of these two. Number one, the cruise you've booked that you're going on, so in this case, I believe it's Freedom of the Seas, you booked directly through Royal Caribbean. You did not book through a travel agent. If that's the case, which is fine, 
You go on board the ship. You go to the next cruise office. You you reserve a cruise on board. Then you have, I, I think it's 60 days. I forget the, the window. It's at least 30. I'm pretty sure it's 60. But you have 60 days to, when you get off the ship, go to your favorite travel agent, and you can roll the reservation over to them. All the all the booking centers, nothing changes in that. It's just they get to manage the reservation. You have a certain time frame of window you can do that. There you go. Easy. Actually, easier is let's say you booked your, your Freedom of the Seas cruise through a travel agency already. So you get on board Freedom of the Seas. When you go to the next cruise office, the first thing the next cruise officer is going to find is that it's already attributed to a travel agency and you have to do nothing. Royal Caribbean automatically, and they'll ask you, but automatically will attribute any next cruise bookings that you make on board a ship to the travel agent that you use to book the cruise you're on. So again, make this, I don't know if I was clear enough about this. You're on Freedom of the Seas because you booked that through Travel Agent X. Travel Agent X will get credit for and be able to manage any reservations you make on board the Freedom of the Seas at the next cruise office for whatever other cruises you book, unless you tell them otherwise. You can opt at that point and say, you know what, I, I, I prefer not to for whatever reason or change it. Who knows? But uh, it's it's pretty simple, and it's, it's very easy to do, Jay, and it's the best strategy. I think you're on the right track, and I hope that answers your question for you. Let's move on to our next email. It is from Matt, who writes, Hi, Matt. I recently booked a cruise for Allure the Seas with a family of six. I'm a bit concerned about booking some of the entertainment and shows. I know on the ship you have to book ahead of time, but I was wondering if there was a way to do it for the entire group. We've discussed that we want to see the main shows. I have looked around and not been able to figure it out. Also, when does it become available? I was also hoping to get your thoughts as well as tips from my cruise. That's me. Me, Matt. Aboard Allure the Seas. Thanks for all your help. Great question, Matt. And when you're on an Oasis-class ship, the Oasis-class ships and the Quantum-class ships as well are the only class of ships that really, I wouldn't even say require, but it's greatly suggested you book your entertainment in advance. It's free, for one thing, so you got nothing to lose. And number two, it assures you of a spot in shows at certain times, which for a lot of people, you know, you're booking your dining around entertainment or you're booking your entertainment around dining, <laughs> depending on your perspective. And, you know, it just makes your whole life easier. So what you want to do, and you can do this, I've done this before, Matt, uh, wait, go to your cruise planner. And pick the show you want to book. So you pick whatever, you know, um, Ocean Aria. And you go on there and you add it to your cart. And there's an option when you look. It's going to ask, okay, what guest should be on this reservation? And you obviously, by default, you'll get anyone in your stateroom. But there's another option right next to it that says add guests from another reservation. And all you need is a reservation number and their last name. And you put that in there, and then you can start grabbing people from other reservations and reserving their tickets. This is the best way to do it, other than both of you sitting down at a computer next to each other and reserving at the same time. And that way, you can reserve your tickets for everybody at one time. You just need, again, the reservation number and, of course, their last name, which I'm probably certain you already knew ahead of time. But uh, those that's the two bits of information that you need, and uh, you can figure that out. Also, you want to know, when do they become available? Ah, the eternal question. When will my entertainment, dining, shore excursions drink packages become available for booking on board the the easy answer is well no one knows it's actually kind of a little weird there's there's ranges that are out there and it kind of varies essentially i'm going to link you matt to a blog post we have on royalcaribbeanblog.com called the total royal caribbean cruise planning timeline which gives you a pretty good idea when to expect certain things to open for entertainment on a seven night cruise or longer you're basically going to look at a at around 74 to 65 days before your cruise for things like uh, dining, entertainment, or sure excursions that were made available. Um, usually, uh, dining and entertainment reservations will become available 60 days before your cruise on RoyalCaribbean.com. 
it varies. And there's, there is no steadfast answer like, at this time, it's going to happen. You got to keep checking, but it's usually around 60 days, give or take. Again, I would start as, as early as 74 days and as close in as 60. Uh, for those who are on five night or shorter cruisings, that's closer to about 50 to 59 days. This is, again, based on experiences we found in the grand scheme of cruising. There is, no again, no easy, simple answer for anybody, but I hope this kind of makes some sense. So... And the other thing was, in terms of tips for my cruise on Allure of the Seas, I'm going to also link you in our show notes. Man, i got a lot of show notes to link to here. <laughs> a blog post I wrote about the top 10 hidden secrets on Allure of the Seas. Boy, there were a lot to consider. Allure of the Seas is an amazing ship. Offers a ton, and I'll link these secrets to you. I will tell you, these are, here's a couple tips, though, in general, if you're going on Allure of the Seas, that I would just recommend for anybody. Or this is, this is also true for really any Oasis Clash. Number one. I love, as many of you know, I love the Windjammer, right? I love that buffet experience. On the Oasis class, the Windjammer is really small. And for breakfast, especially, it can be very difficult to get in there. Some good alternatives for breakfast are the Park Cafe or Johnny Rockets. Johnny Rockets is free for breakfast in the mornings. For lunch and dinner, it costs money. But uh, for breakfast, Johnny Rockets is free. Park Cafe is also complimentary as well. And in either case, they are really good alternatives that usually are not nearly as crowded. And you get some pretty good options there as well. The other tip I would recommend when you're on Allure of the Seas, book your entertainment in advance. Certainly the popular shows, uh, Mamma Mia is definitely one you want to do. The ice skating shows. The ice skating show, by the way, uh, Ice Games, was, I'm going to say, the best ice skating show I've ever seen on any Royal Caribbean ship. I think it's even better than FreedomIce.com, which, of course, is on Freedom of the Seas. It was phenomenal. The Giovanni's table bit is my favorite part of that show. Just semi-spoiler, but look for that one. Uh, they did a really good job. I really enjoyed that show quite a bit. And the other thing is, you know, explore the ship early. Make sure you walk around, figure out, get your bearings. It's actually very easy. You think, wow, on a ship that size, it must take you forever to figure out where everything is. No, it's actually pretty simple to figure out because, again, they break the ship up into neighborhoods. And to me, that makes it a whole lot easier to, to navigate around there. But, uh, but Matt, check out that blog post I, I posted about the secrets of Lord of the Seas. I think it'll give you some pretty good insight as to what to expect there. So always appreciate the emails. Thank you, sir. Next, we'll move on to an email from Heather Goldthorpe of Las Vegas, Nevada. I recently booked our first Royal Caribbean cruise on board Liberty of the Seas for the Western Caribbean on January 22nd, 2017. I know it's far away, but I'm very excited to try Royal Caribbean. My husband and I have been on four other cruises on different cruise lines, Holland America, Princess, and Disney. This will be my daughter's second cruise. Her first was aboard the Disney Wonder. We chose Royal Caribbean for its price point and because of the Royal Caribbean's reputation for family cruising. I happened upon the podcast and have been listening for the past two days. My first set of questions deal with specifically with your familiarity of family cruising. We'll be enrolling our daughter in the Aquanauts program. She'll be four at the time of sailing. What types of activities will they have to keep her busy? I'm also hoping to sign up for family, my family time dining, but not sure how to go about this and how to enroll and might confirm for it. Also, have you heard anything regarding the new Splashaway Bay Kids Water Park on Liberty? Let's, let's, I'm going to cut you off there, Heather, and answer those questions for you. I have a lot of experience with this. I have two daughters. My, right now, my daughters are uh, six and one, or five and one, sorry. can keep them straight. But uh, they've been through the whole shebang from the nursery all the way through the Aquanauts program, and my five-year-old's another year or so. She'll uh, move up to the next one. So... Here's, let me answer, answer all your questions. The type of activities they have to keep her busy, they have a lot. Uh, usually throughout the day, they have a, you're, you're going to find a cruise compass specifically for children, and they list all the activities they're going to do during the day. There's story time, there's play time, they do, there's, every night there's usually a theme. One night it's superheroes, one night it's pirate night, one night it's pajama party. 
Uh, they do this thing with Space Mud, which my daughter loves, can't get enough of. You will hear much about this guy named Fuzzbuzz. I don't want to give it away, but he makes a big mess. Um, lots of it, it's it basically it's a it's there's a, a steady progression of activities that are offered, and you know they're kids, so a lot of it is, is around playing, but they do a lot of it's not it's not just you know some adults sitting around watching them, you know uh, drinking their coffee, waiting for them to cry, and then dealing with them. There are organized activities for them. There's story time. There's quite a bit that goes on. So, again, that you'll see in the cruise compass right outside the Adventure Ocean. You'll see the cruise compass listed there. It's a kid's compass. Go look it up there, and you can find all the information about that in terms of what to experience. Uh, number two, in terms of my family time dining. So, here's how it works. This is an option if you're in traditional dining first seating. So, you're in the essentially the 6 o'clock or thereabouts uh, dining time. What you can do is if you enroll your trip, to enroll, you have to do two things. Number one being, obviously, uh, the the early dining. Number two, you have to go to Adventure Ocean and enroll your child for this option. And what happens is you bring your child to the dining room. They eat with you, but they eat in an in a accelerated manner. They get like their meal really quickly, and they're gone within, I want to say about 40, 45 minutes or so. And... They then, uh, then someone from Adventure Ocean comes down to the dining room, escorts all the children up to Adventure Ocean so you can enjoy the rest of your dinner without them. And essentially, that way they get to eat with you, they get to have dinner at a fairly early time, and then they're escorted off for the rest of the evening. And then you pick them up later on. So how do I know if confirmed for it? Go to Adventure Ocean on day one, register your child anyway, which you have to do to begin with, and make sure they're all set for that. That's how I've done, I mean, I've, we don't actually do that. It's kind of weird. You'd think with all the cruises we've done it, but we opt for the other plan, which I've mentioned on this podcast before. We book second seating, late seating, traditional dining. And then around first time dining, I take my children up to the Windjamer. Uh, I feed them dinner on their own. So I don't need any. Well, I snack. <laughs> Let's be honest. But I feed them dinner. And then when my wife, meanwhile, is getting ready. And then around 7 o'clock or so, by this time, Adventure Ocean is already open. We go up there, drop the kids off. They're already fed. And then we go and enjoy our second seating dinner alone without children nagging us. And to us, it works out better this way because for two reasons. One, we love our children, but they don't really love the dining experience in terms of sitting down, the formality of it. It's not their style. And certainly my daughter, especially the older one, boy, if her favorite thing to do is just eat the same thing every single night, which essentially is either pizza from, from Sorrento's or hot dogs from the Windjammer and then repeat ad nauseum. So she doesn't want to eat anything else. And that's, that's her favorite thing to do. So this is her cruise too. It's her vacation. I get it. And so that's why we go about it that way. It's simpler. It, to us, it makes more sense. And we enjoy as parents, we enjoy having second seating dining because it just works out better in terms of our, uh, schedule so that's why we kind of go about it that way but either way is fine there's nothing wrong with my family time dining it's a it's a great option as well and uh, i think i know a lot of folks uh, end up doing that as well have i heard anything about the new splashway bay kids water park on liberty yes it is open on liberty of the seas it is really impressive i saw it firsthand because when i was on alert of the seas liberty was docked right next door to us uh, we were across the dock room so we could easily see right into it it looks amazing i will link to some photos of Splashaway Bay on our show notes at realcreamblog.com and you can check out some photos of it. It looks really cool. They did a really nice job. But of course, of course, Splashaway Bay is a concept that was, that was originally announced for Harmony of the Seas, but Royal Caribbean, and then this before, decided to let's roll it out first to Liberty of the Seas because she's getting a reversion anyway and kind of work out the kinks ahead of time. And it's, it's basically just a huge aqua park for kids and it looks really, really cool. 
Heather has another question. My other questions are regarding the stateroom. I booked us in the panoramic ocean view stateroom because I noticed that it was the new and the upgrade that Liberty just received. Have I heard anything regarding these rooms? For instance, is the view nice or is it noisy due to, being, due to it being on the rear of the ship? I heard very good things about those rooms. I actually, I so I have a cruise on Freedom of the Seas coming up. Of course, the Royal Caribbean Blog Group Cruise, which Heather and anybody else listening, I would love for any of you to join us for it. Basically, we do these group cruises where... We book these cruises and we, we invite everybody listening to this podcast, everybody that reads RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com to join us on this cruise because, hey, we love taking cruises. We love going on Royal Caribbean. We love talking about Royal Caribbean. Wouldn't it be fun to for all of us to go on a Royal Caribbean cruise together? And we've done two of these so far and they have been, I got to tell you guys, an amazing experience. So much fun. We did it on Quantum of the Seas and just on Alert of the Seas a couple months ago. And I'm super excited. So we've got one on Freedom of the Seas, September 4th, 2016. And the other one is Navigator of the Seas, February 17th, 2017. If you want more details about either of these, or both, go to royalcaribbeanblog.com slash events. I'll post a link in our show notes to uh, the group cruise information so you can get that. Um, but that was a really long story and a shameless plug to get to your answer there, Heather, which is panoramic ocean view. So long story is I originally booked the ocean view, the panoramic ocean view, because these things look amazing. They really do. I ended up actually canceling it just because... And Heather, you probably can relate to this. I decided I'd rather have two smaller rooms connecting so I can have two bathrooms and separation from our children rather than be in one room. But that all that being said, if it was just me and my wife or I didn't really – if I was willing to suck it up with my children, the Panorama Ocean Views are amazing. Definitely one of the neatest things Royal Caribbean's added outside of a virtual balcony kind of stateroom. And it's an amazing view because basically you get floor-to-ceiling windows, not just a little porthole, but floor-to-ceiling window it's basically a balcony without actually having a balcony. It's really cool. The view is amazing. I wouldn't worry about... I have not heard anything about any noise. In fact, noise on ships in general, vastly overrated in terms of it being a factor. So I think you'll be you'll be perfectly fine with that. And I would definitely book that if you're interested. And Heather's last set of questions are regarding shore excursions that are appropriate for a four-year-old. We'll be visiting Roatan, Belize City, and Cozumel. Any recommendations? Also, I've been looked online at the cruise planner. and was wondering if more excursions will be released closer to the cruise, or is that truly all that's offered? Any other tips or recommendations you have regarding traveling with a four-year-old on Liberty, I'd appreciate. Thank you for doing the podcast, and I'll be sure to listen to them over the next several months, counting my way down to my cruise. Awesome, Heather. Great email, by the way. This is I love being able to take some time here and answer these questions. You know what, Heather? If you're thinking about these, there are plenty of other people in the same situation as you. So let's talk about the islands. Roatan, which is in Honduras, Belize City in Belize, and Casamel in Mexico. I've been to all three. I've been to all three with my older daughter. The younger wasn't around for that one. Uh, and she was, I think for that cruise, she was around three or so. And my suggestion, number one, is you can never go wrong with beach because, you know, they're just playing in the sand, splashing in the water. It's usually really good. Uh, for Roatan, we went to uh, Parrot Tree Beach, which I will, once again, man, I'm going to have a lot of show notes to link to. Go to our show notes, royalcribbenblog.com, Heather. I will link to a short excursion we did at Roatan at the Parrot Tree Beach. It was basically a resort that we went to. We got a day pass for. And what I liked about this was, number one, it's the the resort is on a little bay, a little harbor. I don't know how else to describe it. But it the waves are broken up well offshore, so there weren't a whole, a whole lot of waves. And the other thing I really liked about this was there were beach beds there, which made napping, as I'm sure you under even a four-year-old, Boy, naps are never to be wasted if possible. And having a the, the beach bed there was great because it was an option for them to be able to take a nap. So that was a, a good choice there. Belize, we didn't do a great excursion. We did a we took a little private boat to a, an island called Goff's K. Didn't love it, uh, but that was another beach idea. And Cozumel, 
to be honest, we leave our children on board the ship because we find it a whole lot more um, in Cozumel. We treat Cozumel as a, as a city excursion in, in terms of a lot of walking, which my kids don't really enjoy. So we leave them on board the ship, which is an option you should consider as well because Royal Caribbean does offer for Adventure Ocean. It's complimentary. You just leave them on board the ship, check them in, and you can go on shore and do whatever you'd want. So maybe you could tackle it that way as well. And in terms of your other question about Cruise Planner and if any other uh, options are being added later on, not usually, no. Usually what you see is what you get. Like, they can change it up, obviously. But I thought that too in some cruises, and sometimes it's just you know a product of when you're going. But don't uh, underestimate, of course, the options that are available to you as if you're going on a... Um, you know, things that are not through Royal Caribbean, especially these islands, there's a lot of great options that are able through third parties. And going on a, you know, group tour or a private driver may be also a great option because, again, with children, you never know what you want to do and you need that kind of flexibility and certainly can save you a lot of money as well. So good luck to you, Heather. Hope that it works out for you and uh, love to hear back from you. And our last email this week comes to us from Scott Stein, who writes, Hi, Matt. I read Chris's review on Liberty on the other podcast earlier, and so I wanted to send you my review of Enchantment. Hopefully it helps somebody out. And Scott kind of posted this in the form of a Royal Caribbean, blog, Royal Caribbean survey. He says, what about your most recent Royal Caribbean vacation most exceeded your expectations? And Scott's response was the entertainment, the main dining room for dinner, and Chop's Grill. Bing Bong, Mark Walker was the best cruise director we have had the pleasure to enjoy thus far. I only wish he was at the Quest Game Show, though his sidekick Mo did a great job. Very funny fellow. The Royal Caribbean Singers and Dancers and Enchantment of the Seas Orchestra were fabulous, particularly Vanessa, such a talent, the star of the show. Rodney Johnson was a riot, one of the best comedians we've seen on board, but Dan Bennett was even better. I was blown away. I could watch him again and again. The Schooner Bar Entertainment was very a lot of fun. Tony B and the other guy were really good. Also, the pianist, Anna. A special highlight was DJ Amir. My wife had a blast dancing the night away in the Viking Crown Lounge. Uh... Last, but maybe not least, was Rockport. I think we spent most of the time enjoying our bar. Susan Hurtado was very hospitable, an excellent bartender cocktail server, and listening to Rockport, the true gem of our cruise. Moving on to dining, this was the least impressive Windjammer ever. Dinner raised the bar a lot compared to breakfast and lunch, but overall, the Windjammer felt a lot left a lot to be desired. Conversely, the main dining room was superb. We were very disappointed with the main dining room on Freedom. By contrast, Enchantment's main dining room was very enjoyable. Our servers were Valfino and Jan. Excellent jobs all around. This was the first time we had tried Chop's Grill. We had several opportunities before, but figured it was just another steakhouse. Boy, were we wrong. Chop's Grill provided one of the best dining experiences we've ever had on a Royal Caribbean ship, and Ronaldo was second to none. The food was fantastic. Finally, I would like to make a special mention of Park Cafe. Everything we ate was delicious. In terms of final comments or recognizing outside and crew members during enchantment, just a quick negative note. There was a distinct smell of bathroom waste in different areas on the ship from time to time. It wasn't pervasive, but every so often it would hit you hard. A very unpleasant experience, to say the least. I believe I've already listed every person by name that stood out as, a men- as memorable. However, these folks are also noteworthy. Dennis, our stay attendant, and Egmond, and our bar bartender. So that's it. That's my review. Very much enjoy the chip. And three quick observations. Number one, the Queen and I are big ship people. Number two, it confirmed that we are not three and four sailing people. And number three, we are definitely uh, premium drink package people. <laughs> I cannot wait for Harmony in 2017 and Navigator in 2017 as well. Diamond status, here we come. Love it. And also, I like Scott Sondes, by the way. Faithful followers of Royal Caribbean blogism and devoted disciples of the Church of Sabor. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you, Scott and Laura. Great email. Love reading those. And I think we're going to wrap things up here for this week's episode of the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. Thank you all so much for joining me here on the podcast to talk Royal Caribbean. It's a real pleasure, and I love it. I, I, you know what? I, I've said this for a long time, and, I, and it's really true. I consider each and every one of you 
my friends. Because if you were hanging out here, we're, we're talking real quick every week, then what else do you need in life, right? <laughs> you guys are my friends, and we get a chance here to do this every week. So thank you so much for checking out the Royal Grim Blog Podcast. I love having you here as part of the experience. And, of course, if you want to have your emails read, I would love, love, love to have you uh, send me your emails. Matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. So until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon.